0: I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to Titus chapter 3. We are continuing our doctrine series that we started uh, last week as we had the opportunity of talking about uh, the Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ. The week before, we talked about God the Father. We've talked now about two parts of the Trinity. We're going to move today talking about the third person of the Trinity, and of course, that's the Holy Spirit. And we're doing that because we need to recognize and understand that in our world today, there are lots of definitions of truth. Truth is constantly being redefined, it's being tweaked, it's being nuanced, all of the things that we experience, all of the things that we recognize in our world today. And so it's important that we have an understanding, that we have a a deep-rooted and a deep-seated connection to, a belief in, the promise of God's Word, that we know what God's Word says, that we know what it says, why we believe it, and what it does for us, and how it changes and transforms us. And so today, we're gonna to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, let's be honest, uh, for those of you in the room who are like longtime Baptists, you know, there are often times in our lives that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, Baptists get a little bit nervous. Like, they get a little bit scared sometimes when you bring up the word Holy Spirit. Like, we believe in the Holy Spirit, but let's put them in the corner over here. Let's kind of keep them over here, and let's not let them get too, you know, too uh, wild and woolly in the room, because, you know, we're a little bit scared of that. Well, here's what I want you to know. The Holy Spirit of God is nothing to be afraid of. It is something to celebrate in what God is doing and has done through His Son and through His Spirit. And so let's first go, as we talk about what we believe and why we believe it, let's go to our mission statement here at the church to talk about like what does uh, this church believe about the Holy Spirit and then we're going to take this and we're going to go back to the scripture to actually find why we say this okay so we're going to start here we affirm that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity proceeding from the Father and the Son and equal in deity he's the giver of all life active in the creating and the ordering of the universe we talked about that the last two weeks that the Holy Spirit was there present let us make man in our own image. Remember we talked about that. It goes on to say he is the agent of inspiration and the new birth. He restrains sin and Satan and he indwells and sanctifies all believers. These two statements here, indwells and sanctifies. We're going to get to in a few moments and those are very important elements of the responsibility, the job description of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's keep reading. It says that the believer is declared righteous or made right between us and God, born again by the Holy Spirit, turned from sin and assured of heaven. When it says they're declared righteous, that's the idea we talked about last week, where there are two opposing forces, a holy God who cannot tolerate sin and sinful man, and that Jesus came in the middle and he made us right with God by his death, burial and resurrection uh, 2,000 years ago. It goes on to say, We affirm that the Holy Spirit indwells all who are born again, conforming them to the likeness of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, or is that it? I think that's it. Okay, so let's move on. Now, when we talk about this idea of our doctrinal statement of what we believe, like these are great words, and when you read these words, you kind of dig into them, like that sounds awesome, that sounds great, I'm glad we said that. Let me just tell you that unless you understand what it means, it really is just words on a page. Unless you really understand how it flows from Scripture, because let's be honest, if we wrote these words, as, you know, these words go back even to my father and, you know, and to many men who, and women who served around him through the years, like way back, this goes back like 50, 60 years. And so recognize this, that if these were just words that were written down by man and that we as a church just simply came in and read what they wrote and said, well, yeah, that's our doctrinal statement, and we move on, and we don't really get into God's word of understanding why we believe it, then that's how fallacy begins to inject itself into the church, when you simply believe words that were written by man. We don't want to simply believe words that were written by man. We want to believe words that were breathed out, inspired by God. And so this flows from that, but it's important upon all of us and coming upon all of us to understand what does God's Word say about this stuff, right? And so that's what we want to talk about today. Now, I, I want to take just a couple of minutes to kind of talk about who is the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to move into like what the Holy Spirit is doing. So when you talk about who is the Holy Spirit... We talked about the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, like three in one. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And you talk about that element, that idea of God, uh, you know, being three persons, but yet one God. And so we just talk specifically about the Holy Spirit of who He is. And the first thing that we see is this, we already talked about it, He's the third person of the Trinity. He's the third person of the Trinity. In other words, He actually is God. In fact, when you go back to Acts chapter 5, you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? That's when Ananias was the one who stole from the people, stole from God. Remember that? Uh, He paid kind of a dear price because of it. Remember the story? And in that story, when it came out that there was someone in the camp who was stealing, right, that Ananias was actually stealing and then keeping things back from God, uh, he was confronted. And in verses 3 and 4, when he was confronted, the statement was made to Ananias, like, like you're lying here and you're lying to the Spirit. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. But then he went on to say in that that statement in verses 3 and 4 of Acts chapter 5, the statement was made to Ananias, but listen, you're not lying to man, you are lying to God. Now in that verse it says, number one, lying to the Holy Spirit, you're not lying to man, you're lying to God. What's the inference that we can pull from that? We can pull from that that... Again, inspiration of of the Holy Spirit. God wrote the words of the Bible, right? What he's saying is you're lying to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, who are you lying to? You're lying to God. In other words, there's no question. There's no doubt. We could go to a a ton of different scriptures that that would back this up, that would undergird that belief that the Holy Spirit is not just like an angel, not just a servant that was sent by God, that he is the third person of the Trinity and God himself called him that. And so indeed, we certainly understand. Third person, the Trinity. The uh, second thing we must understand about him is he's equal in deity. In other words, he's equal with God. Now when you go into scripture and find out like where does that really say that? Hebrews chapter nine, verse 14 talks about how that uh, the Holy Spirit that, uh, that the power of the Spirit is what actually leads and guides and, and ministers, and we see that picture that He's the Eternal Spirit of God. Uh, we understand that certainly He's equal indeed. Psalm one thirty nine verse seven talks about the characteristics of this Holy Spirit, and in that verse it talks about His omnipresence. You know what omnipresence means, right? That means He is everywhere, all the time. That means he is in every place and every, you know, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, right? No one can be everywhere except for who? God, right? So Psalm 139 verse 7 says this, can you run from God? Can you run from the Holy Spirit? Can you get out of his presence? And the answer is answered there, no, you cannot. Why? Because he is God. He's equal in deity. He's omnipresent. He's also omniscient. You go back into Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It talks about the omniscience of God. And it actually talks in that passage about how the Holy Spirit understands the things of God, knows the things of God, and He reveals the things of God. Who can the, reveal the things of God? Who can do that? Now, some of you might say, well, preachers can and and teachers can. No, we can't reveal the things of God. Only God can reveal the things of God, right? And revealing the things of God has to be God. And what does that passage say? It says that the Holy Spirit of God reveals the things of God. In other words, he's equal in deity. And so we understand, yes, he's the third person of the Trinity. Yes, he's equal in deity. But we also recognize that he is active in our lives. And this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time together today. How is it that the Holy Spirit today is active in everything that we do? Like, what is he doing? What is his job? We talked about last week, the job description of Christ. Today, let's kind of talk about what the job description of the Holy Spirit is. What is it that today and, you know, in February of 2022 in your life as a follower of Christ, what can you absolutely count on that the Holy Spirit of God is going to do today in your life? And with that, let's go to Titus chapter 3. And this passage, we're going to kind of get a a picture of, and again, it's not the only passage. Let me make sure it's clear. Lots of passages. I I honestly could have picked a 1,000 passages today to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the one that today we're going to kind of walk through. But when we talk about, like, how is he active in our lives and what does the Holy Spirit do, the first thing that we're going to find in Titus chapter 3 is this, is that he indwells us at salvation. That at the moment when you make a decision to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, And we talk about that often. I talked about it a few moments ago from the baptistry. We talked about it through songs here uh, all morning. The, The picture is this, like God loves us, right? We were sinners and we were far from God. We needed something to make us righteous. We talked about that a moment ago. Jesus came. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine. He was buried. He rose again three days later, Romans chapter 10, that if we believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he died and that he rose again, confess that with your lips, believe it in your heart. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. It's available to everyone, anywhere, anytime. But at that moment that you make that decision, the Holy Spirit of God is activated in your life. At that moment, the Holy Spirit like shows up and says, I'm here, I'm ready to serve, ready to do, ready to act. Let's look at what Titus chapter three, verse three says. In Titus chapter three, verse three, it says, for we too were once foolish and disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful, and detesting one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now let's go back to our doctrinal statement. It says we affirm that the Holy Spirit indwells all who are born again. This passage backs that up. It talks about how that God saved us through his kindness, not through what we've done. He saved us through the gift of his son, Jesus, who died and who rose again. And then it uses a statement, the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that in a few moments. But in the instant that you make a decision to trust Christ... There is an active work that has started that's put into place in your life at that moment and that is the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now we're gonna dig into that a little bit more in a few moments, but the understanding that we must have is just simply this, is that the Holy Spirit of God is with you every step of every day, wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you look at, whatever you're talking about, whatever you're laughing about, the Holy Spirit of God is in the room he's in your life. He has indwelled you, he has filled you. God, according to what God promised us, what Jesus said right before he ascended into heaven, the comforter will come alongside, that he's going to send that one that will come after him to be with us, to encourage us, to convict us, to change us. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is. And so when you look at this idea of the definition of the word indwelling, you look it up in the dictionary, it just simply says this, to exist as an inner activating spirit, force, or principle. I love that definition. That's right out of Webster's Dictionary. And it says this, to exist as an inner activating spirit or force. Inner and activating. In other words, the Holy Spirit is present in your life every moment of every day for the rest of your life. He is there, but he's not simply there like as a badge. It's not like putting a sticker on the back of your car. Like, you know, sometimes you pull up to, you know, stoplights and the car in front of you will have a bumper sticker or have a thousand bumper stickers, right? I mean, bumper stickers that talk about every kind of, you know, gun that they've ever used or every kind of camo they've ever worn or, you know, what church they go to or, you know, what food that they like. Or then bumper stickers that honestly not a human alive could figure out what they mean. I mean, you know, they put these stickers on their car and they do that in order to try to give themselves an identity to say like, like that, you know, this is who I am. That is not what the Holy Spirit is present in your life about. He is not simply there as a badge or a sticker that you can stick on your life, that you can stick on your heart to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, the Holy Spirit, yep, he's here, and then you just go on living your life. That is not what the Holy Spirit is in your life to do. He is an inner force that is there to activate. In other words, to make a difference in your life. We talked about that a few moments ago. We're going to talk about it in a few moments to come. Like, the Holy Spirit of God is there to do a job in you. Because one thing that I know about every single person in this room, every single person watching on television right now, when you came to the moment, when you came to the place where you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I can guarantee you that at the moment you prayed that prayer, everything in your life wasn't perfect automatically did you did not get to the place where everything is clean and pure and perfect and holy and like, man, I am just like God. I've been a Christian now for 49 years and I can tell you, 49 years later, I could not say that, man, I've got it all together. I'm perfect. I am, I am a perfect follower of Jesus Christ. Man, I've got, I do everything right. I can't say that. You can't say that. There's not a person in this room that can ever get to that place. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. He's an inner activating force, a spirit to make a difference, to make a, a change in your life. We look in the scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says this Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God lives in you? That phrase right there, the Spirit of God lives in you, ought to scare you. Like I remember when I was a teenager, I had some friends over to the house one night. Um, I was in high school and. And that's back in the days of VHS tapes. How many of you remember VHS tapes? Okay, keep your hands up high. VHS tapes, right? Now everyone who does not have their hand up look around, if you're wondering who the old people in the room are, there you go. Okay, so uh, I remember back in those days, and, and I went and I went to this other place called Blockbuster. How many of you remember Blockbuster? There's the old people again. This is awesome. It's great. And so I went, rented a movie and I, you know rented a movie and I invited some friends over on Friday night, we got some pizza, and maybe we are going to sit there and watch a movie. And I remember watching this movie, and as we were watching this movie, I don't even remember what the movie was, but as we were watching the movie, like as we got into it, occasionally there were some words that were said that like you know, were not words that, you know, they weren't good Christian words. Words that wouldn't be said here on the stage, right? At least not be said on the stage, and the person who said them stay here on the stage, right? I mean, they would not be said, right? And so I'm saying, like, well, it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You just keep on watching, you know? And we were watching and watching. And then it got to the point where like, they were, I mean, they were like really using some bad words, right? And guess what happened? see, in my house, where I grew up, our family room was kind of down. You had to go down a couple of steps to get into the room. And when you went down those steps and got into the room, the couch was there and the TV was on the other side of the room. And Kevin, you've been in that room. And so we were sitting there. Kevin was probably with me that night watching that movie. Uh, It's his fault. And so we were watching the movie and so i'm sitting there we got a you know, group of kids there from from my school we're watching the from lca watching the movie and and right in the part where like they really kind of like laid into the language and stuff that you know certainly was not god honoring um guess who flipped the light switch on daddy came home and my dad the preacher walks into the room flips the light on and he didn't even really know what was going on he just walked in to say hi he flips the light on Every person on that couch, honestly, we're like scared to death, like we are done, the preacher's going to kill us right now. We thought we were going to be like Abraham and Isaac, we're going to be taken out on the altar and he was going to slay us utterly. This is what's going to happen, right? Well, so obviously, you know, we at times, like there are things that you do or say or see or watch that, man, you don't want your dad to walk in and catch you watching it, right? Because that would be embarrassing. The Holy Spirit of God is there before dad ever showed up. The Holy Spirit of God is there in every moment and every place. And so when this passage talks about how the the Spirit of God lives in you, he's an activating force. But man, don't ever forget that what you do and what you watch and what you say and what you hear, what you laugh at, like God is there. And that is part of how He, he activates in our lives, how he changes, he's there for that purpose. And so certainly, yes, he indwells every believer at the moment of salvation. But the second thing that he does is this, is he seals us forever. Look what it says in verse 5. Sorry, verse 6. It says, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's go back to our doctrinal statement. It says this, the believer is declared righteous, again, made right, born again by the Holy Spirit, turned from sin, and assured of heaven. Like, guaranteed, heaven is ours, Now, this is important because oftentimes you'll hear some preachers say, you'll see some denominations, some churches lead in to the idea that you can lose your salvation. Now, I'm just here to tell you today clearly, according to God's word, we read it a few moments ago, that we are saved by the kindness and the goodness of God, not by works of righteousness. It is through the gift of, the whole, of Jesus Christ, who died, who was buried, and who rose again, and the Holy Spirit that it comes to the washing, the regeneration, the renewal of our lives. That is where salvation comes from. If you can't do anything to get saved, you can't do anything to lose what Jesus did. If you could lose your salvation by what you do, then what we could also say is that it cheapens the blood of Jesus Christ. It would say, his blood wasn't enough. And what the Bible says that I read says, oh, Jesus is enough. Once and for all. Nothing separates us from the love of God. And so that's the work of the Holy Spirit to give us that picture. In the scriptures it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse Verse 22. It says, he also has put a seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a down payment. How many of you have ever like gone out and bought a car, bought a house and you put a down payment down, right? Right, let me ask you a question. When you put that, you know, that down payment down, what did you receive in return? What did you receive? You received the car, right? That was your car. Now you had payments to make, but you you took the car home. It's titled in your name. You've got to insure it. You've got to put the gas in it, right? Like it's yours, But then there came a time a few years later when you paid off that note and then it was really yours, right? Isn't it interesting that the Holy Word of God that was written 2,000 years ago by inspiration of the Holy Spirit uses this language that the Holy Spirit actually is the down payment. So in other words, we can have an experience in the moment of what is going to be reality for eternity. That the Holy Spirit in our lives is God's like, like picture of what it's going to be like to live in the presence of God. And so until that time, until you step into the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is with you to give you a picture of how awesome it is to follow God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He seals us forever. And so certainly he fills us, he indwells us, he seals us. But the next thing that he does according to this passage we're reading is this, is he fills us with his power. Look in verse 7. Verse 7 says, so that having been justified or declared righteous, being made right, we talked about that a moment ago, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. That statement, we may become heirs, is the idea, the picture of, like we have become part of the family. We have become children. We are grafted into the family with all the privileges and the rights that connected to being a part of the family, of being a part of the family of God. And so, when you look at this passage, we go back to our mission statement, and it says this He's the agent of inspiration and the new birth. This word inspiration is important. Because, in other words, we all know that God has called all of us to do something, right? Every one of us has a job, every one of us has a responsibility. We have been called by God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We've talked about that, right? We have a mission that God has given to all of us, all of us have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. Like, to, to in, you know, activate in our journey to actually do what it is that God has called us to do. But God, through His Holy Spirit, empowers us to be able to do it. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when the disciples gathered together after Jesus had ascended, they all got in that prayer room, and they were sitting there praying and waiting for what's next and what was next. Well, verse 4 says this, and then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's important because Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come after I'm gone, Right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. What were they empowered to do? Why did the Holy Spirit have to fill them in that moment? What was the purpose? Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 11 guys sitting in a room, and people who are also gathered with them. They're sitting there waiting for what's next. They believed in Jesus. They didn't know what to do next. They didn't think they had it. They were hiding. They were afraid. Jesus had said the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he said, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Understand this. The moment that you accept Christ, you will receive the same power of the Holy Spirit in your life that the 11 disciples received in that upper room in the moments after Jesus ascended into heaven. And that same Holy Spirit that empowered Peter and James and John, all of them to go out and to change the world, that same Holy Spirit is the one that is in you, the same one that is empowering you, and the same one that is gifting you, strengthening you, empowering you to go and to change the world. We have no excuse because the Holy Spirit of God is innocent with us. And so His job is to fill us with His power. But we, don't understand, we understand that a lot of times when we talk about the idea of power, we get this picture, this understanding that, you know, we understand he's with us and we get all, but we get afraid. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven says this, that we have not been given the spirit of what? But of what? Power and of love and a sound mind, right? Like understand the Holy Spirit's here to do a job and he will give you everything you need in order to accomplish the job. So quit being afraid and quit making excuses. That's what the Holy Spirit's job in your life is. Another thing that he does, not only does he fill us with his power, but he also corrects us when we are wrong and makes us more like Christ. Go back to our mission statement. In our mission statement, a doctrinal statement, I'm sorry, it says this, we affirm that the Holy Spirit indwells all who are born again, conforming them to the likeness of Jesus Christ. He indwells us, conforms us to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, you don't need to turn there, but in John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, Jesus said these words, "...nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit," he said, "...that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you, and when He comes, He will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment." Sin, righteousness, and judgment. In other words, he'll convict us about sin, right? He'll convict us of what's wrong in our lives, but then he'll also lead us to righteousness, which means he's conforming us to be more like Christ. That's what Jesus does. That's the picture of who he is. And so, the convicting and the conforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a vital part of the spiritual journey that we're on. It's a vital part of what God has done and is doing and will continue to do in you each and every day. And so, we must recognize and understand that while the Holy Spirit is with us, oftentimes what we do is we ignore the presence of the Holy Spirit. We get really good at saying, I believe it, really good at saying, I know I'm going to heaven. But then what we do is we stick the Holy Spirit in a corner and say, yeah, you know, it's all good. I'll see you in heaven, right? It's kind of like the idea that if you had a dinner party at your house, you know, cleaned your house really well and you went, you know, you know made nice dinner and really worked hard on it, invited some friends over. The friend shows up at the door, you let them in, you bring them into the dining room, seat them at the table, a beautiful spread of food that's there. And then as the friend is sitting there at the table, ready for a night of fellowship, ready for a night that would be a wonderful time together. And then you decide, you know, I'm going to go upstairs, go to my room. You go upstairs, you lock the door, you go to bed and leave them downstairs. they be kind of rude, wouldn't it? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would you do that? Let me just tell you something. That's what so many Christians do today. The Holy Spirit is in you, but we do a really good job of ignoring him. So how do we make sure that we don't ignore him? Let's go to this passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. This statement, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Let me read one more passage. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation, here it is again, through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So that word is found in both verses that I just read to you, that word sanctification, sanctified. In other words, being set apart, being made different, like like doing a work. So here's how you can make sure that you're not ignoring the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Here's what it is, is you make sure that in every single day of your life that you are doing something that will introduce you to and connect you to and, and lock you into the presence of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through prayer time through serving God and doing things for God, by doing all of that, the Holy Spirit's like, man, this is what I came for. This is what I'm here for. And you trust him to do the work that God has called him to do. And yet so many Christians leave him sitting at the table and you just go on and live your life. Stop. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit for a reason. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't like just something that, you know, I'll do this just to make you feel good. It wasn't a religious statement. It was the important picture that God and Jesus knew that if we're going to make it through this thing called life, if we're going to do what we are called to do, then not only do we need the goodness and the mercy and the kindness and the grace of God that brings us salvation, and Jesus who died and who was buried and who rose again to allow us salvation, But we needed the Holy Spirit of God to bring sanctification that would bring us to the point where we would be changed day by day. That is what the Holy Spirit does. So, my encouragement to you today is just simply this let Him. Let Him. Understand that today, everything you do, everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit of God is right here. He's right here. And he wants to make you better. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son and the gift of your Spirit. God, we thank you that Jesus saved us, and we thank you that the Spirit sanctifies us. God, we thank you that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us, to show us what's wrong, and to, to show us what's right. So, Father, I pray that today in our journeys, and our lives, God, I know we are confronted by so much temptation... We're confronted by so much in this world that tries to lead us away from, guide us away from truth. God, I pray that you would allow in our lives the Holy Spirit of God to grab a hold of us that we would recognize his presence, we'd celebrate his presence and that we would be changed as a result. God, we praise you for it. God, I know that there's somebody in this room or someone watching or listening right now who has never come to that moment where they've trusted Christ. They've never said, yes, I believe that God loves me, that Christ died for me, that He rose again for me. They've never said that I need a Savior and Jesus is the only one that can save me. They've never called on your name. Father, I pray that today, in this moment, right now, God, help them to recognize that everything that I've talked about today is a free gift, but it's one that has to be accepted. God, I pray that you would bring them to that point in this moment. And God, for that, we'll give you the praise. With our heads bowed in a moment, we're going to stand and Zach's gonna lead us in a song as we sing about, again, the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna encourage you as we stand in a moment to let the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you to this altar to make a decision that will change for you for eternity. Maybe you wanna come and just kneel here and say, you know, I've been ignoring him, not paying attention to him. Well, maybe today you need to come to this altar and say, God, I'm sorry for ignoring your spirit. And today, man, I I wanna turn back towards him. I want to make sure that I'm doing what He leads me to do. Maybe today you want to come join our church, come for baptism, whatever it is. As we stand and sing these words, I just encourage you to step out, to make a decision to allow the Holy Spirit to have His way in your life because that's the only way, the best way for us to experience all that God has. Let's stand together and let's sing.
1: Holy Spirit, you are
0: Holy Spirit is a gift from God and as you walk through your day as you walk through your life every one of us we're going to come up against moments where we are challenged in our faith and we're going to have to make decisions that are clearly right or wrong the closer you are to recognizing and embracing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life the more likely it is that you will choose the right path So man, dig into his word, spend time in prayer, lean into your faith, not away from it. Allow him to convict you where you need to be convicted. Let him challenge you where you need to be challenged. Let him encourage you where you need to be encouraged. And as a result, that you will live the fullness of the gospel in your life. What an amazing gift. That's what God has come to give. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. So God bless you. Our altar remains open. We'd love to talk with you if you want to come down. Have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. An email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas...
1: ...who love God and love people... If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen
0: and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth
1: of God's love.